So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Adriana Linares. I'm a legal technology trainer, consultant. I run around the country helping lawyers use technology better. But today I'm here recording another episode of New Solo and it's going to be great and enlightening for those of you that are looking for alternative and affordable legal research tools and services. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. But before we get started, I want to make sure and take a couple of minutes to tell you about my sponsors. AnswerOne is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or online at answerone.com. And that's answer the number one.com. Of course, I want to thank Clio. They are a cloud-based practice management software program that makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. And that's C-L-I-O.com. Unbundled Attorney is a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly into your inbox in real time. Looking to get more leads and grow your practice? Visit unbundledattorney.com. Then there's Law Clerk, where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. You only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. And Law Clerk has given us a rebate. So if you put in the code of NEWSOLO300, you'll get a $300 rebate after your first project. So I'm excited to introduce Jake Heller from Case Text to New Solo. Hi, Jake, are you there? I'm here. Oh, great. You sound good too. So let's talk a little bit before we talk about Case Text. The fact that you were an attorney for a while, right? That's right. Yep. I love talking to service providers and innovators and people in the business who actually practice law before, you know, coming up with an alternative career, which I think you would also probably be a great person to talk to about alternative careers and legal. But before we totally get derailed, like I'm known to do, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, where you're from and you went to law school and then you were a lawyer and then you decided to start a company. Well, I'm a weird duck. Um, and I think you'll find a lot of us in the legal technology space. I grew up in Silicon Valley and uh, my dad actually started a internet startup in our garage in 92. Wow. And so way back when. And I think, you know, for a lot of kids growing up, you do all kinds of activities with your dad. It could, you know, or your parents or your friends. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, it wasn't fixing up cars or really that much sports. It was coding. You know, I've been coding since I was like eight or nine, and that, that's what I did for my summer jobs. That's what I did after school. When my friends were playing computer games, I was trying to make computer games, and that's just, that's just my hobby. That's just who I was. And you know, if through a long, funny series of events, I ended up going uh, to law school. I went to Stanford out here in California, and I, you know, for a long time was on a very typical lawyer path. If you looked at like my LinkedIn or my resume, you'd be like, this guy 
is just going to be a lawyer for the rest of his life. <laughs> but there was that piece of me that still loved building, that still loved coding, and that saw a really important need, I felt, in my profession. And after a year clerking on the federal courts, after working for you know in government and for a, a very big law firm, I said, you know what, I think it's time to, to do something a bit different and to start Case Text. I love that. So did you, and so before I ask you a couple of questions about Case Text, tell everyone who's listening who may not have heard of Case Text exactly what it is and uh, what it does. Sure, so Case Text is a legal research tool that is more affordable and more efficient than you know the other big guys. And we were able to do that because we rely on some pretty advanced technology, including artificial intelligence. I love that. And so what made you think of case text? Let me put it that way, because having your your coding passion and background and then going through, you know, the rigmaroles of not only law school, but then, you know, seeing how technology was used in law firms, which is never really that great. No insult meant to any law firm out there, but, you know, we're talking about the whole lot of them. What made you think, well, there needs to be some advancements and some changes and some just legal research needs to be better. How'd you decide to do that? You know, there, there were a few things. It wasn't one individual moment, but there were a few moments that I think were directly responsible for helping you know, form this idea. The first is that when I was in, in law school, I did a lot of the, the clinics, including uh, a clinic in the East Palo Alto area, which is you're relatively low income. And I remember working with solo and small firm attorneys who would literally tell me that they're part of the clinic just so they can get access to my Westlaw password. Oh. I was like, that is so weird. <laughs> you know, for me, as a, as a young, naive student, I was like, these guys are, are lawyers and they can't afford themselves to subscribe to some of the, the tools that we're being trained to use to get access to the law. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy. I, I heard these stories of folks, you know, again, you're, you're rep- when you're representing people who themselves may not have a lot of money, you may not have enough money yourself, right? Uh, or it may not be the, the most important fixed cost to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars a month to just get access to the law, right? You may have to go to the library. I heard stories of folks who went to the library and got a pass for 20 minutes to use LexisNexis a day. And that, and you know, if you imagine you have five clients, you have four minutes a day of legal research per person. And, and I was like, that is crazy, right? Man, you better run a lean research machine if that's all the time you've got. But you know, you'd probably hear those same stories today. That, you that's do. not you even- absolutely do. And so yeah. for, for me, I was like, so the first thing that happened was I thought to myself, in every other, you know, I grew up in Silicon Valley, right? So I watched as all these old publishing companies were completely outdone by new technology companies, how, you know, Wikipedia came and, and there is no more in Cardinal Britannica, essentially, right? How TripAdvisor came along, Farmers, you know, where Yelp came about and Zagat, you know, was completely undone. And in all of those cases, there was an old publishing company that was too expensive. It was exclusive, right? That was very editorial driven. And they were almost always, you know, able to be supplanted by better, free, technology-based companies. And that was inspiring to me. I, I saw the world of information opening up everywhere else, but non-law. And that was the first thing. It was like, why, why in the world is law one of the only places where information is expensive and hard to get access to? And the other piece side of it was not only was the stuff expensive and hard to access, when I practiced, I felt like, you know, I had my iPhone, I had, you know, all the websites I use on a regular day-to-day basis for fun and entertainment and for communicating with my family. 
And I'm like, wow, this is the future. I feel I feel like I'm living in the you know the present day. And then I'd log on to one of these older legal research services, and it's like going through a time portal back to <laughs> 1993. And I said to myself, why why is the profession that you know is doing some pretty darn important stuff, right? Yeah, defending the rights of the falsely accused, making sure that, you know, a billion dollar lawsuit is handled correctly, right? Whatever it may be, why are we the ones using technology that was so backwards and out of date? And and anyway, so a lot, long answer right now, but but, (laughs) um, but there are a lot of things that kind of came together for me to say, you know, I think there needs to be a newer, better approach here. I love it. So you built case text and then tell us a little bit about how it's different and what you did differently. Because if you think about the giants and the long lifespan that they've had, you know, I think it's hard sometimes for for companies that have been around a long time to update their software, their code. And sometimes it's even hard for them to just innovate because why would they bother, right? So when you decided to do this, what were the types of things that you you said, okay, well, Case Tax is going to be different because it's going to do these things other than the fact that it's affordable, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Yeah. What are the things that set it apart? As a solo or small firm lawyer, why would I want to go and, and take a look at Case Tax? So I'm going to start at a very high level of generality, which is we're not them. And I can't emphasize enough how everything I'm about to say is driven by a mindset, which is that we know we're not the monopoly. We know we're the David against two enormous Goliaths. And when you're in that position, and I think every listener here could probably identify with this, when you're smaller going up against bigger, you know, older companies, you have to work twice as hard. You have to out-innovate. You have to be cheaper, right? You have to have better customer service. We're not a monopoly. And I think actually that the newness of us, you know, relatively speaking, we're a five-year-old, you know, almost six-year-old company, but the relative newness of us and our, our position, knowing that we're the David, leads us to do a lot of the things that we do that distinguish ourselves. And you know, to be specific about it, one of the most important ways we distinguish ourselves is by, by innovating on really advanced artificial intelligence technology that enables you as an attorney to find the most on-point cases and other authorities really, really fast. And the technology is called CARA. And spell, let's spell that. C-A-R-A. And it's an acronym. An acronym for the Case Analysis Research Assistant, but nobody knows that <laughs> except for the people who listen. Because people treat it treat it nowadays like it's Siri or... Right, I was just going to say that. Is she, is is CARA a friend of Siri? Uh I don't know if they hang out. You know, it's like, <laughs> she's, you know, we don't really socialize out of work. I mean, she's really busy. You know, so um, no, <laughs> we actually, we don't really go to personify, although we like like the idea that Kara also means friend. And so it's kind of like amicus yeah. or a helper. Right. But the way that Kara works is an attorney can literally drag and drop a brief complaint or other, you know, litigation document from your litigation. And Kara will figure out what your litigation's about, the facts, legal issues, jurisdiction, you know, all the information necessary to help you find extremely on-point cases so that when you do your searches, you're not seeing you know, irrelevant cases from irrelevant jurisdictions about topics that may share the words of your search but have nothing to do with what you're working on. Instead, because Kara's read your document, it gets you and has you know, context-specific or context-aware, matter-specific research. And, you know, besides having literally everything else in terms of functionality and feature set, you'd expect from a legal research platform, this one feature really sets us apart. 
And the second thing too, is if you just try it out and there's a free trial for 14 days, if you just go to casetext.com, if you just try it out, you know, what I think you'll find is that we have really put a lot of attention to the finer details and to design. So you feel like, you know, the speed of it, the way it looks, the way that you're interacting with information should feel a lot more like 2018 and a lot less like 1998. Wait, I have two things. One, I want to ask you before I forget, is it only indexing case law and statutes or does it go beyond that? That's a great question. So, so the answer is it goes dramatically beyond that. It's Dramatically case, yeah. beyond. Yes, dramatically like beyond. You know, think big, right? So we, of course, have cases and statutes from all 50 states and the federal government, regulations, currently just federal regulations from the CFR, but that's going to be greatly expanded upon. Administrative opinions from organizations like the BIA for those who do immigration work. But we also have, you know, really helpful content like briefs, you know, previous work product filed by attorneys in other litigations, like articles. If you've ever Googled for a legal question or concept and came across an extremely helpful five or six paragraph explanation by a fellow attorney, we have over 700,000 of those on our website through agreements with, at this point, thousands of attorneys who write this type of content for their own purposes usually, and and it's reproduced inside our legal index. Uh, So you find all of those in in case text. We have databases that we've extracted from the law itself. So for example, anytime a court has ever said it is well settled or it is well established, we have a database called Black Letter Law, where you can find every time that a court has said something is well established, which is super helpful because you know if you're trying to, to state a proposition in an argument to a judge, you can say, hey judge, earlier this year, this court said it is well established that so-and-so. So why are we even debating about this? This, this is done. You know, so lots of different types of information and content on case text. And for our listeners, I just want to give a quick visual because I sat through a demo of case text with you and imagine a Google search, right? So where we, um, you open up a browser and you type in what you're looking for into the input bar, so to speak. Just imagine instead of typing in what the search term that you're looking for from your desktop or from your file explorer, wherever it is where you might have a case that you've looked at, you drag that little file onto that input bar instead of typing anything. And then case text ingests that document, analyzes it and returns the results based on, as Jake said a few minutes ago, what's actually in the case as opposed to irrelevant texts and terms that might just happen to be similar and possibly related. So I don't know if I did a good job there, Jake, but- That's exactly right. Because it's a podcast, I always try to, you know, have people visualize. But I think the best thing they could do is you can go to casetext.com and, and try it for free, right? Other Absolutely than the free right. trial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's the easiest way. It's one of those things where I can talk till my face is blue about right. how great my technology is. But if I'm being perfectly honest, you know, it's it's something that you have to experience for yourself. And we're not for everybody, right? Some people are, you know, have used Westlaw for the last 40 years and they're like, I'm not going to change, you know, and fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's absolutely okay. We, you know, we work with a lot of the most innovative firms, big and small, and are really happy with the people who have come to start using us sometimes instead of West and Lexus and Bloomberg. And, you know, especially for the the law firms that have all the resources in the world, sometimes as well as Westlaw and Lexus and Bloomberg. Yeah. 
But I think that that case of it's not for everybody and you're always going to have a holdout, that goes with everything in yes. legal tech. You know, when I walk into a law firm and, you know, someone very enthusiastic about bringing their, their law firm to a modern era greets me at the door, they'll often say, oh, but then, you know, there's so-and-so in the corner. What are you going to do about him or her? They barely use their computer at all. I said, I'm not going to do anything about them you know, but you've got 50 other people in this law firm that I can help and affect right away. And that one person, I mean, they're successful and they're doing their thing, leave them alone. And if they ever, you know, decide to open their door and let me in, then I'm happy to really push. But like you said, it's just not always for everyone. Before we move on to talking about a couple of other topics with you that I definitely want to talk about, which is just AI and law and legal research in general, tell our listeners about your pricing model. Totally. And one of the things we pride ourselves on is having transparent, simple pricing. You don't even have to get on the phone and have a secret negotiation with the sales rep like you do <laughs> with some of these other legal research tools. It is $65 per month if you subscribe you know, annually, if you pay for the, the year up front and $89 a month if you subscribe on a month-to-month basis. Easy as that. And uh, pretty affordable too. A lot of times it's easy for me, and I can throw this now into my sort of toolbox for lawyers to say, look, if you're gonna move to the cloud and think about services that are gonna be helpful to you and you were starting from scratch, for your basic needs, it's about, well, now let's add on case text. So I'm gonna say for $200 a month, you can have almost everything you need to run an efficient law firm. So that would be $50 for like a practice management program like Clio. It's about $50 a month, give or take. $50 a month for net documents if you need sophisticated document management, which I think every law firm does, even you solos out there who think you don't. $12 a month for Office 365, could be eight if you're a true, true solo, but you figure 12 if you even have an assistant. And then $15 a month for Adobe Acrobat DC. And now about $60, $65 a month for all the legal research, probably 99% of the legal research. Am I overstating that, that a typical lawyer needs can get through case text? It obviously depends on the lawyer. And if you need some like niche content that only exists in the, you know, yeah. the, the basement of some library somewhere. Yeah, but but <laughs> many, many lawyers. That's the 1%? Yeah, the 1%. Yeah. You know, I will, I should mention too, a lot of these other legal research platforms have limited plans where you only get a particular state or a particular mm-hmm. federal, whatever. We never do that. You get all okay. the functionality, all the libraries, everything for one price. We try to make it as simple and clear and all-inclusive as possible. That's amazing. Well, good. $200 a month. See, everybody, you're ready to go. Law firm in a box and you're secure and modern and digital. Listen, before we move on to our next segment, though, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from a couple of our sponsors. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com 
forward slash podcast for a special offer. All right, we're back. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Jay Keller from Case Text. Before we left off, we were just getting a feel and an idea about the amazing legal research product that Jake has built from his father's garage in Silicon Valley. And um, now I wanted to ask Jake just a few questions. You know, Jake's a a well-known speaker and author. And have you been a legal rebel, Jake? I have been a legal rebel. Yeah. And maybe wear a bandana. (laughs) It was the funniest. (laughs) This is the the ABA, right? I think you're referring to this ABA. uh, Like every year they named certain legal rebels. They made me and my two co-founders like wear these like silly bandanas. This is the funniest photo shoot ever. (laughs) So I know you in person and I'm pretty sure you'd probably never had a bandana on before that. No, I haven't. I haven't. That's true. I've not had that opportunity. A Silicon Valley nerd. I love it. Um, tell me a little bit about just legal research today, you know, like trends that you're seeing, some suggestions for lawyers. You were saying that sometimes on our side channel conversation before getting started, that solos and, and small firms often think about legal research as something that only big law firms really use and afford. And they've got a room full of associates or clerks that are doing all their legal research, but that's really changed a lot. So tell us a little bit about where you see legal research today. I see a few interesting things happening in legal research. The first is that as where 20, 30 years ago and and from the 1850s to 20, 30 years ago, there were only a few companies in the world that actually had all of the law. And there are other companies out there like FastKids that really opened that up and that said, you know, why why is it only that Wes and Lexus have the law? And starting with them as, as in the earliest, earliest days, they have, I think, done a tremendous tremendous work towards helping you know, show other companies, including ours, that just having access to the law, which again is why Wes and Lexus have, have held this kind of monopoly, right? Just having access to the laws and that can be a little more widespread. And so you're starting to see companies pop up and start to do more innovative and interesting things with the law now that it's become a little more democratized. And so you know, if you're a California attorney, I would recommend checking out Judicata. They have a newer, smaller company that is empl- employing kind of really interesting legal technology approaches to the law. It's only just for California attorneys, at least for now, but I think it's a really interesting move. You know, Fastcase for the states that have it and Casemaker for the states that have it are also interesting to watch. I think there's just more diversity now than there ever has been. And what do you think about companies like Ravel and Gavalytics that are doing that sort of research on on the judiciary side of things? That's really interesting. So Ravel and Gavalytics um, and Lex Machina, the Ravel and Lex Machina now owned by LexisNexis are taking an analytics-based approach. And what they do is they don't, you know, they not only let you find cases, they also help you say, okay, in 30 of the last cases this judge has seen, they've always voted this way. Do you think you'll be any different? Right. And so it might help you make some strategic decisions based on statistics. And I, I should warn those who want to play around with this, you know, like that saying there are lies, damn lies and, and statistics, <laughs> you know, so sometimes these statistics can be, can be misleading. They'll be like, well, this judge in 85% of the time votes no on, on this kind of motion. If you open up those motions, you see all of them were filed by like, you know, prisoners you know, or something. Oh, <laughs> right, like, right. Oh, my, my client has a real actual claim here and not just like, you know, some, some random whatever it is, right? So you have to be careful with it. You have to dig in. But, you know, all that said, I've been really impressed with those companies. And, you just, and what you really see right now more than you've seen in the past is you see 
young, motivated technologists who are trying to make the legal practice, and not to be too cheesy, but at the end of the day, the pursuit of justice, right? The finding the right answer, getting the right information in the right hands. We're all trying to make that better. And I think that's really exciting. And I think the other thing too, like you said, I think a lot of smaller law firms and, and solo law firms, you know, we have over a thousand now small law firms, you know, representing about 10,000 attorneys who use the platform. So this is not true universally. But a lot of folks I talk to, when they hear about artificial intelligence, analytics, all this advanced technology, they think that's nice, but that's just for big firms, like you were saying earlier. And I think you know one of the most interesting and exciting things that is happening right now is that it's almost the opposite. When you use better technology, you are more affordable. You can scale more. You can reach more people. You can make it so that, that people don't need a lot of training to use your technology. You just kind of get started using it right away. Right? There are all kinds of advantages to the Silicon Valley new technology approach that in a lot of ways, you know, cheaper, better, faster, easier to train, right, et cetera, really benefits, I would say, smaller firm attorneys. Oh, I totally agree with you. We're adding 100 new small firms every single week at this point. Wow. And I think that's because, you know, which, which is not a lot for from Weston Lexus perspective, but for, for small guys like us, that, that, that's, that's just so exciting. And I think it's because, you know, it's almost the opposite than I think what some people would assume, which is that the most advanced technology makes things cheaper and more accessible, and that's better for smaller firms. And, you know, this goes in general for solo and small firms with all their technology. You know, 15 years ago, when I was helping a small law firm put in a practice management program, it was, well, you know, you're going to have to get a server and it's going to require exchange and you're going to have the separate server for five. Like, you know, it was a $10,000 startup cost for, for three or four lawyers. Today, it's so affordable and more secure and easier. And honestly, these small firms can be as powerful and way more nimble than big firms. I say it all the time. And I know I spent eight years, my career started at big law. So yeah, I think that's, you know, good advice, so to speak, which I don't know if you were giving it as advice, but it basically comes down to if you're a solo or a small, you don't have to feel inferior to big law because honestly, you can do as good a job as they can when you look at things like the cost of e-discovery. If you're using cloud-based e-discovery service providers and the models that they offer, practice management programs, legal research. I mean, you've got everything you need these days, again, in a very affordable and secure way, which um, I love. Not that security necessarily ties into legal research, but just- It does sometimes. You can have a whole other podcast about that. But you know, I, I can't agree with you more. I think that like fighting guerrilla warfare, Right, technology is a tool that can be used that gives you an unfair advantage. Right, that as a smaller, more nimble team that is, you know, taking untraditional new tactics to surprise your your foes who are stuck in their old ways. Right, you know, and we, we hear this all the time from our clients, and I'm sure that Clio hears the same, Fastcase hears the same. Because of your technology, we're able to outdo, run circles around our opposing counsel. And put ourselves in, in a position to win. And we love hearing that. And I think that's, that's the role that technology should play. No, I agree with you. Before we move on and talk about another new role in legal technology, which is everybody's talking about AI, let's take a quick break, hear a message from our sponsors. And then I want to talk to you about practical ways that you see AI affecting those solos and smalls that we're both trying to help so much. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. 
With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10. And do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. All right, we're back. You still with me, Jake? I am. Great. So we've talked about case tax. We've talked about legal research. And I know that one of your favorite topics, and it sort of has to be because case tax uses a lot of artificial intelligence, is AI and legal today. And we could read about that and talk about it all day long at a really high level. But what I'm really interested in is talking about day-to-day and practical examples of how you have seen, how you know, how you experience and talking to solo and small firms as well as building a tool that can be used by solo and small firms. What's AI mean to the average lawyer today? Or what should it mean? Let's say, what should it mean? This is such an important question. And it is because there are, I mean, I should start by saying there's a lot of confusion about what artificial intelligence is. And so I want to start with a very quick definition. A lot of people think AI is like the Terminator, some robot that's going to, you know, like know and speak and do everything and, you know, kill us all basically. And that's not what AI is. I mean, look, if, if AI was going to kill our jobs so that we could actually just vacation all day, then I'd be all for it. Let me just <laughs> yeah, exactly. let me just put that out there. Okay? Uh, you know, and, you know. I think in the science fiction version of this, that's exactly what we're going to get, and, and, and that may happen. They may happen in a number of years. You know, I'm not going to rule it out, but that's not what AI is today. All that AI means, and all that anybody means by AI, is technology that approximates some piece of human knowledge or, or human in- intelligence. So, for example robotics and AI, you know, if you've seen these kind of creepy videos of robots walking around, why that's AI is they've taught these robots to interact with the physical world the way that we might interact with the physical world, right? They're also like driverless cars can see and react to the physical world just like we do. It's not all of human intelligence. It's some small component of it. In the context of law, it usually means that the computer is able to, you know, hear words like like verbally and turn that into some information, just like humans can, can read and parse text and extract meaning from that and do something with it, right? A lot of it is kind of text-based, but but the reason why it's such a confusing term is because you also hear it used with like driverless cars and robots. You're like, what in the world? How is this possible? Right? <laughs> the same technology being used everywhere. It's just because it's all just trying to approximate parts of human intelligence. So where does that where does that fit in law? A lot of this is not actually even all that new. In e-discovery, you know, you teach a machine with predictive coding, you say, this is not relevant, this is not relevant, this is relevant, this is not relevant, this is not relevant, right? You do that, you know, hundreds or thousands of times. And then the machine says, I get it. The New York Times breaking news alerts in this guy's inbox, not relevant. You know, the thousands of documents where they say, I think that we should lie to our consumers about this, that's relevant, <laughs> you know? And right, people right. take the next, you know, million documents and turn that into real information. That's that's a real, you know, e-discovery and predictive coding is a real and one of the, the oldest and most well-established examples of AI in practice today. 
Other examples include legal research, our CARA application. You know, it's able to do things that, again, traditionally, only humans are able to do, right? Read an advanced document like a brief or complaint, extract meaning from it so that it can say, okay, I understand what this is really about. Let me, you know, do something with it. And using that to help your legal research, that's another example of AI. Another example is another legal research company called Ross. Their claim to fame is that you can just ask it a question and it will try to answer, you know, with case law, the thing you asked about. And that's, you know, understanding that what the question really means is another example of AI, right? And, and, and outside of law for a second, you know, this, this happens every day. If you ever type into Google search bar, how is Apple doing today, right? dumb machine would be like apple like the fruit okay it's doing pretty tasty i guess i don't know like (laughs) uh advanced kind of natural language processing knows that you're talking about the stock price of a publicly traded company right wait let's try that yeah hold on hey amazon how's apple doing today as of 11 47 a.m eastern apple traded at 219 dollars and 92 cents up 1.81 percent since previous clothes it's a good day for apple it's a great day and, and you know it's Again, there's actually two parts of AI there. First of all, taking these weird noises that come out of our mouth and turning that <laughs> into something that a computer can understand is an enormous feat, right? Very hard. There's a company called uh, Tali or Tally. I'm not sure how you pronounce uh-huh. it. Uh um, huh. Oh, and- hold on. Wait. Yes. Before you, okay, no, you tell us first, then I'll do something. Okay, okay. So the way that that Tally works is that you just say, I'm working on this or that matter, and I've worked on it for this many hours or this many minutes, or I'm starting to work on this matter. And Tally will be like, all right, I'm recording that for you, right? It's a timekeeping device for for attorneys using Amazon Alexa. And the ability to use my voice and for a computer to understand that is actually actually pretty magical. Sounds like you're going to have a live demonstration of this right now. Let's try it. Hey, Amazon, tell Tally to log some time. How should I describe your activity? Video production and editing. How long was this activity? 10 hours. For which project? San Diego County Bar Association. I've recorded it. Oh my God, I love when technology works. Pretty cool. So um, I know, it's amazing. So I love Telltally. And what that does, it's actually connected to my Clio. So I log my time. And yeah, on top of everything else I do, I also produce videos. (laughs) So um, I like to keep track of my work throughout the day and I use Telltally for that. But that's amazing, right? And she's prompting me. I don't even have to remember how to say it correctly. You know, hey, tell Tally, tell log this much time for the, it, it prompts me until you eventually learn how to say it. But go ahead, tell us more. My wife's sister is also named Tally. So it's, it's you know, I, I get to get these t-shirts for a technology company and give them to my sister-in-law. It's like, hey, it's about you. <laughs> Uh, so that's awesome yeah i mean so you just see uh, you know whether it be tolly or e-discovery or legal research or another company that 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 focuses more on bigger firms but i I think it will make its way into smaller firms too a company called kira systems and similar companies they are able to you upload thousands of contracts and it goes within seconds here are all the choice of law clauses here are all the you know, I don't even remember all the different clauses of contracts. It's been a while since I've been a practice attorney, but um, you know, it's able to take a thousand contracts and say, "I understand what all the pieces of this are." And here, here, by the way, of all the thousand contracts, here are the two contracts that have weird and different clauses. Here, super, super helpful. I love it. That's amazing. So, I think there's a lot of ways that lawyers can, without thinking too hard or getting too deep into the weeds, incorporate 
artificial intelligence or, you know, weak AI, as they call it sometimes, which isn't necessarily like that deep learning sort of AI, but really practical ways that if you look around things like chatbots, which I interviewed Tom Martin from LawDroid in my last episode about that are, are really affordable and easy ways to start really taking advantage of some of these technologies. And I like to remind attorneys that you can use this stuff to help you reduce stress, manage your time, log your time, do research more efficiently, effectively, without having to poke your eyes out, trying to figure out how to reword that search term. And I just, I hope that attorneys who listen to this episode really think about reevaluating how they're doing legal research, especially if they've been really married to a particular product, especially the big ones, which, you know, there's never bashing that we do, but there's just, I just want to, lawyers to think about doing things differently sometimes and investigate Options and learn about new tools. Options are good. Yeah. I'm good. So Jake, I know you have a very busy day in Silicon Valley today. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. Before I let you go though, can you tell everyone where they can find, friend, or follow you and or Case Text out there in the world? Yep. Um, most important thing is to go to casetext.com. You can actually start using it immediately from the homepage and just uh, you know sign up for a free trial by clicking that free trial button at the top right-hand side of the corner of the screen. You can find us on Twitter at, at Case Text, on Facebook at Case Text, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob underscore Heller. And friend me on Facebook, uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm a pretty friendly guy. I don't bite. So <laughs> hope to connect with all of you soon. That's great. And you are a very friendly guy. Can you um, tell me real quick about your dog from Thailand? Sure. He's actually from Taiwan. And Taiwan, I mean. Yeah. the Way uh, cooler. Way cooler. That makes him way cooler. Uh -huh. The, uh, you know, no judgment. I have a, <laughs> 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 they're all cool. I, I, so we, my wife and I were looking for a lab and we went on to a website called, I think, PetFinder. And, uh -huh. you know, we looked for a lab in the San Francisco Bay area and this really unusual looking lab came up. We're like, this guy is super cute formed to adopt him and everything. And then the agency got back to us and said, he's going to come on a plane from Taiwan. And we're like, what? <laughs> and it turns out, well, well, the agency, you know, who, who is a rescue agency was headquartered in San Francisco, which is why he, why our dog came up. Uh -huh. Dog was actually in, in Taiwan. And so, so what I can get electronics and rescue dogs from Taiwan. Exactly. I, I mean, it's like, and he's Aww. cute and loving and he thinks he's our brave protector. Um, oh, yes. I'm sure he does. Scary cat. Yeah. So I love, love him to death. His name is Alex and, and they called him. I at, was going to have. Yeah. At the, uh, at the adoption agency, they called him happy Alex. And so he just kept that. Oh, I love that. Well, my dog voice came out just the tiniest bit there. I'll keep it inside for the rest of this. Anyway, thanks so much, Jake. I really appreciate that. Please give Alex a dog hug for me. Will do. Thank you so much. For all you listeners, thanks again for listening to another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you happen to sit around on iTunes, we'd appreciate a review on there. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.